Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee. Welcome to this new year. As you're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. And you might have a lot to look forward to in the 2020s. Uh, first of all, 2020 is over. Maybe your children will graduate from college. Maybe you'll become a grandparent. Maybe you'll be able to retire. The whole world has a lot to look forward to in 2021. You know, we've had a, if you remember, we have a postponed Summer Olympics in Tokyo. So after a year of many canceled sporting events, we can all look forward to watching the world's best, best athletes compete on TV. And they will be the games that conquered COVID, even if they are held with a limited in-person audience. We have the Mars rover landing coming up on February 18th. The Perseverance rover is scheduled to land on the surface of Mars. It will look for signs of ancient life on the planet and collect rock and soil samples. It could also pave the way for human exploration of Mars by collecting information about the, the, the planet's climate. And then obviously being together again and traveling. You know, with vaccines being administered, hopefully the end of the pandemic is near. And so with that, the return of being with the people you love more often and taking those much-needed vacations with your loved ones. So we might not be there yet, but we're headed in the right direction. Whatever 2021 brings, I think it's important to set goals for yourself and create a plan for achieving them. In today's show, I'm going to talk about several things. I'm going to do a review first of the stimulus that was passed by Congress here in the last couple of weeks. How would it impact you? How could it impact businesses? I also want to call, talk about what can we economically expect in 2021 and what are the longer-term implications of all the spending and of the, uh, to, to get us through this pandemic. We'll talk about what we can learn about the need for retirement income from the 2019, uh, or excuse me, the 2020 pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. What does that teach us about the need for income? We'll talk about how we can make our resolution stick for the New Year's. So we got a lot to talk about today. There's so much changing in our world. And uh, one of the challenges, and it's one of the things I'm going to get into about what we can expect in 2021 and in the coming years, is we're in an exceptionally low interest rate environment. And that makes retirement very challenging. It's great when you're younger and, and you're saving money, or excuse me, you're uh, you know needing to borrow money to build a house, expand your business. It's problematic when you're in the retirement phase. So understanding how to navigate retirement just becomes critically important. 
So don't forget, I've got my the, the first class at the University of Tennessee that I teach, Financial Survival for Retirement, is on January the 28th and February the 4th. So that's uh, Thursdays, two consecutive Thursdays coming up here in about four weeks. Again, that's January 28th and February 4th. You can go to the name of the class is Financial Survival for Retirement. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com to, to download a syllabus and click to register. Uh, you can find my entire teaching schedule for the spring at broganfinancial.com. Just click on classes. So let's talk about the new stimulus, new round of economic stimulus is upon us. The Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 was signed. Uh, tr- President Trump had talked about not signing it. And he wanted the stimulus checks to be raised from 600 to $2,000 per person. And, and uh, he finally relented and agreed to sign that. Uh, now, their Congress is working to try to increase the stimulus payment to 2000 per person, which it seems doubtful to me. Because, again, politics is getting into it. Um, you know, the Republicans want to add more things. The Democrats don't. Uh, the shoe's kind of on the other foot from where it's been over the last couple of months um, in terms of trying to put more things onto the stimulus bill. Bottom line, how can it affect you? So the re- refund checks of $600 per person, which includes $600 per qualifying child. A qualifying child is 16 years or younger in your household. So a family of five would get a $3,000 stimulus check if you don't make too much money. The stimulus checks phase out at personal income between $75,000 and $87,000 per person. So for a married couple, that phases out between $150,000 and $174,000. So that's kind of the rules for the stimulus checks. Uh, They look at adjusted gross income. So that's the number prior to your standard deduction or if you're itemizing prior to your itemized deduction. So they'll go off of your 2020 tax return typically for that. Uh, Some other things from the personal side. You know, according to the IRS, about 90% of taxpayers now are not itemizing their deductions because the, the standard deduction was increased so much with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So they added, uh, in the CARES Act, they added a provision that you could do a three, up to a $300 cash contribution to church or charity, and it would come straight off of your just gross income. That's what's called an above-the-line deduction. You know, your standard deduction or your itemized deductions come on page, they come after adjusted gross income. And all the numbers that determine things like phase-outs of deductions and exclusions and how much Medicare premium you pay and how much of your Social Security income is taxed, all of those things are based on adjusted gross income. So being able to take a $300 deduction above the line off of your adjusted gross income is a big deal. They extended that into 2021. Furthermore, they removed the marriage penalty. So now a married couple, if you're filing jointly, can actually get a $600 above the line deduction if you're making a cash contribution to church or charity and you are not itemizing. Now, unemployment benefits 
there the federal government is adding $300 a week on top of the state unemployment benefit here in Tennessee. Also, if you have a flexible savings account and part of that was not used, you can roll that into 2021. And then 2021 balances can eventually be rolled into 2022. And the medical expense deduction. You know, you have to have a certain amount of medical expenses in order to claim a deduction. And the amount of those medical expenses, you could only deduct, if you're itemizing, you could only deduct anything over either 7.5% of your adjusted gross income or 10% of your adjusted gross income. And the number has kind of fluctuated between those two numbers. This new act made it permanently 7.5%. So what that means is, in round numbers, if your adjusted gross income is $100,000, just to use round numbers, you can only deduct medical expenses over $7,500. So if you had $10,000 of medical expenses, you could deduct $2,500 of medical expenses. But it was scheduled in 2021 to go back to anything over $10,000. 10, excuse me, anything under over 10% of your adjusted gross income. Now, there was also an expansion of the payroll protection program. There is another a second round of forgivable PPP loans for businesses. And the eligibility for the second loan, there's a little bit of a change. The amount you're eligible for, it's a lot of the same kind of rules. And I'm not going to get into all of those details today. But basically, they, they, they lowered the amount of employees. You're, it's less than 300 employees. Remember earlier, it was under 500. So it is truly targeted more to small employers. And then in order to qualify, you have to have one quarter in 2020 where your gross receipts for your business dropped 25% as compared to the same quarter in 2019. So that's how they're determining that. And then the amount is the same as the first PPP. It's two and a half months of payroll up to $2 million. There is a $2 million cap. Um, hotels and restaurants can get three and a half months of payroll. And the eligibility uh, is the same in terms of what can be forgiven, is the same as the first PPP loan. With the addition of PPP expense, PPE expenses, if you had to do things in your office with PPE, if you had facility modification, cloud computing can be included in, those, in, in the expenses. And then, very notably, expenses paid using the forgiven first and second round of the payroll protection program are now tax-deductible. So, in other words, the revenue is tax-free. You know, usually, when you have a loan that becomes forgiven, the loan becomes taxable revenue. So, in the first PPP, when the loan became forgiven, it would not be considered taxable income, but the expenses that were paid with that loan was not tax deductible. Well, this changes that, and it makes it tax deductible. So it's really fully deductible, and you've got tax-free revenue. Uh, there's a few other things in there with employee retention credit, how much percentage of wage of the uh, of the loan has to go to wages. I'm not going to get into all of those deal details. Check with your 
CPA. Um, I do want to mention one important provision is in 2021 and 2022, business meals provided by a restaurant are 100% tax deductible if it's a business meal. That would include takeouts. But again, it has to be for a business purpose. I think that's much needed to help stimulate these area restaurants for us here in East Tennessee. I was saying throughout the summer and fall, I think that they needed to act to make those meals 100% deductible if it's for business reasons to help stimulate uh, these restaurants that are having so many problems. So a lot of great things in the stimulus package, but there's a cost for that almost $1 trillion. When we add that to the tab and we look at federal stimulus along with the amount of money the Federal Reserve printed in 2020, the bill is about $7.5 trillion. What are the, what's the economic impact in 2021 and what is the long-term economic impact? Also, if you have a question about this second round of stimulus, Uh, or you have questions about the overall economy or your financial planning and investments, feel free to give us a call. I'll open up the lines for uh, your call at 656-TALK. That's 656-8255. When we come back, what to expect in 2021 and the long-term implications of this spending and the economic impact of the pandemic. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're talking today about the economic stimulus and its impact. You know, what, what are we likely to see economically as we hopefully recover from this pandemic with, this, with the vaccine availability? What, what can we expect in 2021 and what are the long-term implications of the economic effect, effect of both the, the COVID-19 itself and all of the stimulus? If you have a question about the stimulus package that was just passed or about the economic implication or your investments, feel free to give us a call, 656-TALK. That's 656-8255 outside the area. It's 1-800-951-8255. So the stimulus was just passed, and as I mentioned there before the break, Congress has now passed close to $4.5 trillion of economic stimulus in 2020. And then the Federal Reserve, in terms of economic stimulus, has printed about $3 trillion of money to put into the economy. So when we add all that together, you're looking at Roughly seven and a half trillion dollars. 
Now, our entire economy is about $22 trillion. And our deficits are already a couple trillion dollars, you know, a trillion dollars a year. So, you know, when you add all this up, our, our national debt has gone up quite a bit in 2020. And uh, the estimate for the end of the year, we haven't seen the final number, is that we're going to owe about 20, our, our debt, our federal debt is about 25% higher than the size of our entire economy. Now, what does that mean in the short term and what does that mean in the long term? In the short term, I think it's very clear that both Congress and the Federal Reserve is willing to do whatever kind of economic stimulus that, it, that they can to help us get through this pandemic. And I think there are a lot of analogies here and a lot of comparisons with funding World War II. You know, that we, we had potential catastrophe in World War II, and so we had to spend a lot of money. And at the end of the war, we owed a, a similar amount to what we owe now. We actually owe a little bit more now compared to the size of our economy than we owned than we owed then. We owed about, in 1946, we owed about 20% more than the size of the economy. Now it's closer to 25. Well, but getting through the pandemic was similar. Our government needed to step in, and we could have had a depression without massive economic stimulus. And one thing that we learned, a couple of things in 2020, is one, don't ever bet against the Federal Reserve. You know, I remember when the market was coming back in the late spring and into the summer, I had so many people ask me, both in my office and in my classes I teach, Jim, how is the market recovering the way that it is when we saw the economy in the second quarter go down over 30% in GDP? And the answer is, uh, or at least one of the answers is, the Federal Reserve stepped in and provided a massive amount of stimulus in addition to congressional stimulus. So I would almost equate it to a sugar rush. Our economy... Our stock market, let's, let's look at the stock market specifically. Our stock market has been on a sugar rush. Believe it or not, the S&P 500 was up 15% in 2020. Who'd have thought that when we were sitting here at March 20th and the market was down almost 35%? It's like a sugar high based on all of the stimulus. Well, we're going to have continued economic impact from COVID-19 for a good part of this year. I know the pandemic, you know, the, the, the vaccines and all those things are going to help. And I'm, I hope we're looking at the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, and I think we probably are. But I don't think it's going to be in two or three months. I think we're into the, at least the back half of 2021. So we may see more economic stimulus from Congress. We may see more actions from the Federal Reserve. They've already said they're going to keep interest rates artificially low through 2023. So three more years of historically low interest rates. And that is to help stimulate economics. So in 2021, you know, what's the impact of all this spending? I think the sugar rush may end up lasting a little while. Now, there's always the chance that something could happen to derail all of this. 
And, you know, the shorter term, the forecast, the more it's just a guess, an educated guess. You know, we don't have a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the markets, especially in the short term. But I think ultimately, this sugar rush is likely to continue on a little bit. That doesn't mean the market's going to make 15 or 20 percent this year. And something could happen next week to really have a market correction. But I'm just letting you know that from my vantage point, I see more stimulus. At least the government's prepared to do more stimulus if we see more economic impact. What I am certainly concerned about is the longer-term implications of all this. You know, at the end of World War II, when our debt relative to our economy was similar in size to what we have now, the debt immediately came back down. And in 1947 and 48, we had two of the highest years of surplus in our federal budget we've ever had in history. Well, that's not what's projected in 2021 and 2022. We're expected to have more debt and more spending. So when you start getting up to 130 and 140% debt to GDP, then you start to get in a real danger zone. So what does that mean? And then on top of that, you have massive amounts of money being printed by the Federal Reserve. Now, one concern would be inflation down the road. And interest rates are artificially low, and the Federal Reserve is going to want to keep interest rates artificially low. So if inflation starts to creep up, the Fed has said they want inflation to start to creep up. And then if they keep interest rates low, that keeps the interest on the debt more manageable. But that creates a, a challenge for investors because interest rates are kept low, which make it harder to invest and make money on things that are more stable than stocks, things like bonds and CDs and bank investments. But at the same point, our living expenses are increasing. So it creates a little bit of a catch-22. That means increasing income in retirement is going to be critically important. And then, how are we going to eventually pay for all this debt, and what does that mean for the future of our income tax system? You know, I had, uh, I had U.S. Congressman Tim Burchett on Thursday when I filled in for Halloran Hill, and Tim Burchett was talking about the, the discussion in Washington uh, among the Democratic left of maybe having a living wage where every American makes a minimum income, let's say a thousand a month, whatever it would be. And I asked him, how likely do you think it is we'll see a, min a, a living wage, you know, say in the next five years? And his, his thought from being in Washington is that it's at least somewhat likely. You know, two years ago, three years ago, we would have never dreamed of something like that. But now we're seeing that kind of talk. So we could see a fundamental shift in the way our economy works and the way the government supports the economy 
We've already seen a fundamental shift in the way the government supports the economy. The Federal Reserve this year has taken unprecedented action. So what that means, bottom line, is we could have stagnant economic growth. We could have inflationary concerns while interest rates are being kept artificially low because of the interest on the debt. And then we could have a a radically different tax system. Now, we don't know all this. I'm just saying, what could we see down the line five to ten years from now? So bottom line, how do you plan for all of that? How can you increase in, how can you stabilize retirement income in the, in the short term and increase retirement income in the long term? So that's what we're going to talk about in our next segment. We also have Joanne on the line. Joanne, we are going to get to your call when we come back from our break. I do want to mention before we get to our break, I talk about all of these things in my college class at the University of Tennessee, Financial Survival for Retirement. It's coming up here on January the 28th and February the 4th. Two two two-hour sessions on successive Thursdays. Again, that's January 28th and February the 4th. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com for more information. I'd love to see you there. You can download the syllabus. When we come back, we'll take Joanne's call. We'll also have more about retirement income. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. It's the new year. It's 2021. I know many have been looking forward to 2021 and leaving 2020. It's been a challenging year in 2020. What can we have to look forward to in 2021? So we're talking about the economic impact of the stimulus package in the short term, much needed. What are the long-term implications? And how can you, based upon that, secure retirement income? Uh, We have Joanne on the line who has a question about the stimulus. Good morning, Joanne. Welcome to More Living. Good morning. Thank yes, you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I, when I had my taxes filled out at Liberty Taxes, they had put me down uh, where someone could claim me as a dependent, and I'm the head of the household. My husband has passed away. He's been gone for about five years now. I'm sorry. And when I called the tax, uh, when I called the IRS, they told me that I could not get the, that I was not eligible to get the $1,200 since they had marked that on my uh, form. So I'm in a situation, why did they do that? I can't get a hold of them. I went over there to the office. I tried to call them, left messages, and they not returned my call. So, so they I'm marked you down. Dollars. They marked you down as a dependent? On yeah, his t- could, on the, yeah. So it wasn't a joint yes, ret- tax return? No, it wasn't a joint, uh uh-uh. Was it like he was head of household? Is that what they did? Yeah. And then how um, how old are your children? Well, before, I mean, I don't know why they put me down as uh, I could be claimed as a dependent. I mean, who would claim me for, for a dependent? 
Yeah, well, that when I'm head of household. And then, how many kids do you have? I don't have any kids. Oh, oh I'm, I'm single. I, I'm I single. misunderstood. Um, well, then the stimulus check would be six hundred dollars, not twelve hundred dollars. If you don't have right. kids, that's why I got a little bit mixed up. Um, that is a question for who prepared your tax return. I know over the holidays, you know, you might not have been able to get with them. I would get with them on Monday for sure and find out why the tax return was filled out that way. And if there's any way you can file a modified return, and does that mean you could get the stimulus? That I'm not sure about. That would be a question for your CPA. Uh, okay. 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 All right. I appreciate it. Okay, Joanne. Happy New Year, and thank you for your phone call. Uh, now, let's talk about with these challenges moving forward. I've talked about the challenges with inflation, low interest rates, and potentially higher income taxes. So how... How can you secure retirement income to be stable in the short term and not dependent on stock market conditions, but then grow in the long term? That's so, so important. And what can we learn from the pandemic? So think about this. Um, you know, one of the things that was underscored by the pandemic is the need to have for working people to have plenty of cash in an emergency fund. And there's a big lesson for that with retirement income. So bear with me here. Let's say you're in your 30s or 40s or maybe early 50s, and maybe you were furloughed, or maybe you were even laid off. And for a period of time in 2020, you, have no, you had no income. You would then have had to have drawn from your savings in order to support your, your needs. And then what if you didn't have much emergency cash and you had some investments and in March the stock market from the high to the low was down almost 35%. You would have had to have sold those investments while they were down in order to pay your bills. And that is what you do not want to happen both in your working years and in retirement years. Well, in retirement you don't have a job so, you know, any additional income you need to supplement, you know, you might have some income. You might have Social Security. You might have a pension. You might have rental income from real estate. But whatever you have, you know, Social Security was only designed and is only designed now to pay about 40% of your expenses. And for higher income Americans, it's less than that. So you're supplementing with withdrawals from your other investments. Well, you know... What would happen if you were forced to sell investments or assets that were significantly down during a bear market? And that is one of the foundation, foundational rules of successful wealth management is don't spend an investment loss. In other words, when your investments are way down, you don't want to be selling those investments and spending the money for income because you'll compound your losses and that money will never ever come back because you've spent it. See, it's okay to sell investments when they're down and reinvest, but you never want to sell when they're down and spend the money. Much like if you're in your 40s and you got furloughed or laid off, you want cash that you can live on and not have to drain money from your investments from your 401k or other places when the markets were way down. So that's something to just reinforce how we structure income in the early years of retirement. So what that means is that your investments that are invested for growth, that have some mix in the stock market, 
those shouldn't be depended on for short-term income. Now, if you have some stocks that pay dividends, I think it's okay to use those dividends for short-term income. But you don't ever want to be selling shares of an investment, whether it's a stock or a mutual fund share or an ETF. You do not want to be sharing, selling market investments for short-term income. So you need to secure income in the short term. You know, if you're retired or getting ready to retire, now's a great time to look at creating a financial plan to secure income for the next five years. And my preference would be to secure it for the next seven or eight years. In other words, that money's set aside. Think of it as being in its own bucket. You kind of have this, I like to talk about having buckets of money. You've got this bucket of money set aside that's not in the stock market, that's either protected or very stable, and you're going you're gonna to draw from that money in the early years of retirement if the stock market is down. Now, interest rates are very, very low. So that creates a real challenge because monies that are stable or protected are just not paying much. And yeah, inflation... Since, not, since 2009 has been about 15 to 2%, but, it, but the Fed is trying to stimulate more inflation. So the Fed is trying to make some prices go up, cost of living go up more, while they keep interest rates low. So that means that short-term money is going to have a difficult time beating inflation. But what it will do for you is make sure you don't have to sell investments when they are significantly down in value and spend that money towards your income needs. We don't know what's going to happen in the stock market in the short term, and you should not be depending on market investments in the short term. You know, sometimes I get asked the question, I'll have somebody, you know, come into the office to meet with me, and they'll say, Jim, you know, I need some money. I've got this $50,000 or this $100,000 that I'm going to use in two years. How can I get it? The bank's not paying anything. I had it in a CD. It was making a little bit more money. And now the CD's come due. What can I do with that money? Should I invest it in a mutual fund? I need it in a couple of years to put into a home construction project. I'm remodeling my kitchen and, put, and putting on a deck. Well, that money should not be in the market. I mean, I know it's not sexy to make a half a percent or even less over the next two years, but I tell you what, it's a whole lot better than losing 20%. So the number one factor is to make sure the money will be there for you in two years. And if you said, Jim, where's the stock market going to be in two years, I might as well go to Vegas and roll dice because nobody knows. So you've just got to secure income in the short term. But because interest rates are really low and probably going to be kept artificially low for a while, you've got to have growth of investments long term. And a diversified market portfolio, in my view, is going to be the best way to do that. The best way to fight inflation long term is a diversified portfolio. Now, what does a diversified portfolio look like? That doesn't mean you're just in the stock market or that you have a traditional mix of 60-40 stocks and bonds. And I'll cover that in the last segment. But ultimately, you, you know, long-term growth, you've got to beat inflation, and a diversified portfolio is probably going to be the best way to do that. But in the short term, you have volatility.
So the way your income plan is folded into your long-term investment plan becomes critically important. Now, if you have questions about all this, about the economic impact of the stimulus or the long-term implications of tax rates, anything financial related, feel free to give us a call here at 656-8255. That's 656-TALK. Or outside the area, it's 1-800-951-8255. This is exactly the kind of stuff I talk about in my two-part class, Financial Survival for Retirement at the University of Tennessee. I'm the instructor. It's held the next class is it's two 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 sessions, January 28th and February the 4th. Those are two successive Thursdays, two two-hour sessions. In that class, I teach seven basic fundamental elements of financial planning for retirement. You can get more information at financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Or go to my website at broganfinancial.com and click on classes. When we come back, what does a a diversified, risk-based, growth-oriented investment plan look like? What should that look like? Most people aren't truly diversified in their investment portfolios. And the traditional approach to diversification is unlikely to work in the coming decades. So we'll stay tuned as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan if you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement and now here's senior market advisor magazine's 2011 national advisor of the year and host of more living jim brogan it's January 2nd of 2021. Welcome to the new year. I'm Jim Brogan. You're listening to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And I've been talking about the economic stimulus package and what are the longer-term implications of the economic uh, things that we're dealing with right now, with the debt, with the Federal Reserve policies, and all those things. I do want to mention You know, I know the pandemic is really spiking, and East Tennessee is one of the highest. Of course, Tennessee itself is the highest in the country, and East Tennessee is not good either. We are open for business at BroganFinancial.com, and we can serve you virtually or in person. Uh, If you come into the office, uh, we are observing full COVID-19 protocol. We are not backing up appointments. We're cleaning and sanitizing the office after any appointments that come in. We are working virtually as well. We have Zoom capabilities. We also do phone calls. We have more and more people now that are electing to do meetings virtually. Uh, If you would like to speak with us and do a consultation and have us look at your income plan and your investment plan, any of your financial planning, social security election, estate planning, Maybe just as important as anything, ta- your tax planning moving forward. Give us a call, 
862-6800 at my office at Brogan Financial or go to our website, broganfinancial.com, and you can sign up for a complimentary consultation. We've also got our upcoming class, Financial Survival for Retirement, held by the University of Tennessee, January 28th and February 4th. You can find our full upcoming class schedule through the entire spring at broganfinancial.com. Click on classes. Now, what does true diversification actually look like? You know, most portfolios that I see in my office are really not properly diversified. Like, what does diversification really look like? What's it supposed to look like? What does that word even mean? And I like the word balance better. Now, don't get me wrong, diversification is the right word, but I like the word balance better because the word diversification is used so incorrectly today. What diversification, and the reason I like balance is because you have a balance of investments that balance each other out. In other words, when one thing zigs, another zags. That way, if one thing is way down like stocks or stock funds, Hopefully, they're not all the way down. Now, when I look at people that come into my office, most often the way they approach diversification is to have a 60-40 or 70-30 mix of stocks and bonds. Now, usually it's a mix of mutual funds or ETFs and index funds, but that's what I see. I can't tell you how often I see 60-40-70-30. And the 30 to 40% that is bonds is overwhelmingly traditional U.S. bonds. And there's two concerns with that. One concern is that type of a portfolio, believe it or not, is still extremely highly correlated to the stock market. In other words, when the stock market goes up, you go up. When the stock market goes down, you go down. So you're really kind of betting on the stock market over the next decade, And then to hedge the risk, to not move as much as the stock market up and down, you're adding these traditional U.S. bonds. And interest rates are at historic lows. They're going to stay low for a while, probably. But there's only two things that can happen with interest rates. I mean, they can go a little bit lower. And actually, I think they may in 2021. But, the, but they're going to stay, they're already so low, they can't go much lower. So they're either going to stay low, in which case bonds are not paying much, or interest rates go up, and when interest rates go up, bonds go down. So the bonds are, are going to be, over the coming decade, I would actually say, you know, if you're not going to touch your investment, if you're 50 years old and you have a 401k and you're going to hold for, six year, for, for 10 years, I would say your traditional U.S. bond mix is more risky to you judging a 10-year investment horizon than your stock mix. In other words, if you never looked at your statement for 10 years and then you opened up your 401k in 10 years, your risk of, of being down or not growing that money is higher with the bond funds than with the stock funds. So that type of diversification just isn't going to work, in my opinion, moving forward. Now, I'm not saying don't own any traditional U.S. bonds because sometimes there are pricing anomalies in the market and that, that can be taken advantage of. Uh, plus, they do offer some stability. But there are other ways to stabilize portfolios without using so many traditional U.S. bonds. You know, there are non-traditional bond holdings that can go up 
when interest rates go up. You know, commodities and energy and real estate are alternative asset classes that don't always move up and down with the stock market. It, it, it's having a little bit of a lot of different things. You know, most people that I meet with, they come into my office, they have a lot of, a lot of money invested in two or three things. U.S. stocks, foreign stocks, and U.S. bonds. Instead of that approach, you have a little bit invested in a lot of different things. And that way, you have balance and stability in the portfolio. Now, it's still risk money. In the short term, it can still go down, and you have to be prepared for it to go down. And that's where the income plan becomes so critically important that I talked about. But ultimately, having an income plan to secure and stabilize income in the short term and having a truly diversified portfolio that can give you growth in the long term and then measure that risk. Investing is all about balancing risk and reward. Measure that risk so you know what you can expect, but you're not depending on those risk investments in the short term. You can do all of this. I teach it in my class, Financial Survival for Retirement, at the University of Tennessee, go to my website, broganfinancial.com, click up on classes for more information. You can also sign up for either a virtual or in-person review at my website, broganfinancial.com. Welcome to the new year. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you, Chris, for engineering the board. Thank you, Jill, for helping produce the show. God bless you in this new year. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.